Just like the heart muscle, our soul, our being, builds capacity. The more that we're willing to go into hopelessness and despair and beyond it, beneath it, through it, through all of the contractive emotions that are underneath it until we get to that source state, that true, pure, energetic frequency. From there, we can mine around. We do this in process work. We mine around for what we need to know, what we need to release, what we need to heal. We get guidance. We get wisdom. We connect to that greater part of ourselves that is connected to source and the world and all people and all purpose. And from there, we can move in an effective way. We grow our capacity. Hey, friends. Welcome back to the Make It Inevitable podcast. I am your host, Stephanie Zamora. And today, I want to talk about the crucial role of hopelessness and despair when it comes to creating true transformation in our lives, in our relationships, in our work, and above all else, and ultimately, in the world around us. Let's talk about the definition of these things first, because that is how we do that on this show. We set context for everything so that you can understand the the uninterpreted definition of the words, and then we can talk about how they apply to making seemingly impossible things happen, especially when there are horrific things happening in the world, in our lives, in the lives of people we love. So hopelessness is very simply the absence of hope, the loss of hope. Despair is the absence of and the loss of hopefulness. Now, what is hope? Here's a definition that I feel really sums it up pretty well. Hope is an optimistic state of mind that is based on an expectation of positive outcomes with respect to events and circumstances in one's life or the world at large. So it's an optimistic state of mind. We have all hoped for something. We have all hoped for good news from family members for a raise or a promotion at work or for that contract to come through if we run our own business. We have hoped that we would meet the love of our life, that we would make peace with whoever we've had falling out with. Whatever it might be, you've experienced hope. You've you've operated from this optimistic state of mind, this optimistic frequency that things could turn out the way that you want and you're really rooting for that. You're really hoping for that. Hope is a beautiful and important, necessary, very human, expansive emotion, frequency, and state. So hope on its own is not inherently bad. Hope can be a way that we bypass and shut ourselves down. So we can be looking at what's going on in the world. And at the time of this recording, there is, as always, so many horrible, horrific, heartbreaking, traumatic things going on locally, within our own countries, globally, with the planet, the environment, with animals, not to mention our relationships. There could be things going on for us and the people that we love. This is always happening. And there are so many times where we, other people, and the world need us to really, truly bear witness to what's going on, to be radicalized, actualized, activated, catalyzed by the things that we see so that collectively and personally, we can have an impact. We can create true, lasting transformation. 
instead of doing that, instead of bearing witness to, instead of holding space for, instead of being present with what is going on, we often use hope as a way to bypass that challenging work. We hope that everything will work out for the best. We hope that someone somewhere will step in and do something. We hope that the climate reports are inaccurate and fake news and all of the things that everyone who doesn't believe in them wants us to believe. We hope that, we just hope, right? We hope from an optimistic state of mind that there will be a positive outcome with whatever it is that we are hoping for and around, rather than bearing witness to it, being present with it fully, whole mind, body, soul, nervous system, brain, all parts of self present with what's going on. And there is so much beauty in this world, so many beautiful peoples and cultures and communities and spaces and animals and just there's so much beauty in this life, in this world. And we are too afraid of our own emotions to hold space for and bear witness to the destruction and the harm that's going on. And I understand this. I have certainly been the same way. I used to hold hope that everything was working out the way that it was supposed to. Everything happens for a reason, even if I don't understand that reason, even if I think it could have been different or better or whatever. I've hoped for people to step in. I have hoped that something will just magically happen that will make everything better and different. And that was a way of bypassing. I couldn't look. I couldn't bear witness. I couldn't really sit with the reality of what was going on either in myself, in my life, in my relationships, in my, my circles, my community, the earth, the global community. I, I couldn't look. I couldn't, I, I didn't have the capacity to do anything other than to hope. And that was using hope as a way to bypass. And the way that you know that you're bypassing with hope is that you're not holding hope with. You're not doing both. You're not holding hope with heartbreak, grief, the triggers, the activated state that inevitably happens when we bear witness to these things, when we're present with them. You're not feeling your rage and fury. You're not feeling your grief and terror. You're simply hoping for a positive outcome. You're simply trying to remain optimistic. And this is no different than toxic positivity and spiritually bypassing, is to think that holding hope is what matters. As long as I stay optimistic, as long as I hope for and visualize a positive outcome, that's all I can do. When really we can do more and we need to do more. If you want to live your fullest expression, if you want to create a fully aligned life, you have to be willing to face what is hard and what hurts in yourself and in the world. Because none of us are truly free if all of us can't truly be free. If our planet and our environment is dying and disappearing. None of us can have the things that we desire. And so if we are trying to create something for ourselves that feels fully aligned, fully expressed, but we're not willing to bear witness to the systemic, the traumatic, the system, like all of the obstacles to that, that maybe we don't personally face right now, then we are ultimately 
continuing to create a world where we may not always be able to be free. And whether we're looking at things on a global scale, an environmental scale, if we're looking at them for ourselves personally, we cannot do the impossible. We cannot live our fullest expression if we are unwilling to have a relationship with our emotions. And that is what hopelessness and despair allow for. They are both emotional states. They are contractive emotional states. They are not bad. They are not negative. They are not wrong. They are contractive. They are heavier. There's tension with them. There's tightness with them. There is just weight to it, discomfort, pain. And what happens is with all of the larger events that are going on above and beyond us is if we look for long enough, if we are truly present for long enough and bearing witness wholeheartedly to all of the awful, horrible, scary, heartbreaking things, we will hit a state of hopelessness and despair. And because we do not have the skill, capacity, experience, education to hold that, to feel it fully, to let us unra- to let it unravel us completely, to bring us to our knees, to crack our hearts so far open that we feel like they'll never be able to be pieced back together again. If we cannot allow that, feel that fully, we will never move through to the other side of that. So we talk a lot about emotions on the show. Having a relationship to your emotions is crucial, essential, vital. You cannot skip that. Not just the happy, expansive emotions, the contractive ones, the ones that you have been taught to or disciplined into, or just simply choose to not feel. Anger, rage, fury, hopelessness, despair, depression, grief, sadness, jealousy, whatever those contractive emotions are, when we bypass them, we limit our ability and capacity to experience the things that we actually want to experience. We handicap ourselves and we weaken ourselves. I have worked very hard over the years on having a relationship to my emotions, to going deep into the dark and twisty spaces, to sit in them and with them and muck through them for as long as it takes, to process them, to feel them fully, to let them move through me. And in moving through me, they often feel like they're going to consume me. And in doing that, I have strengthened my capacity to hold and bear witness to and be present with and feel what is hard and what hurts. That does not mean that I never have compassion fatigue. That does not mean that my nervous system is never overly activated. That I don't need to also incorporate breathing techniques, grounding techniques, process work. That I don't need to feel the feelings to sob and cry and rage and scream and do whatever else I need to do. We are human beings, and no matter how great your capacity grows, it still affects us to bear witness to these things, to hold space for them, to be present with them, whatever they may be. And what I have seen as world happenings continue to get more terrible, more horrific, more awful, and this day and age, we have social media, so we can bear witness to it. We can bear witness to things that 
we would only otherwise see in movies. We would only otherwise assume is fake because the only place that we see it is in media, TV shows. It's maybe photographs from old instances of war or genocide or horrific things happening. It's, it's not real to us because we haven't, most of us, especially in the Western world, haven't experienced it for ourselves. We in the United States have not had war. Not us. Americans, white colonial settlers, have not experienced that against us. Not really. Not like other countries and other parts of the world have. So to us, it's not real. And media is a whole other conversation that I would love to have of how it has shaped in good ways and bad how we perceive the world, how we experience things, how we dehumanize one another just so frequently and so easily, reducing ourselves to content and entertainment. And so when these bigger, more terrifying, horrific things happen, we don't see them as real. And it takes a bit of work to really be present with them, to really open to what if that was my mother? What if that was my brother, my partner, my child, my niece or nephew? What if, like, what would it really be like to go through that, to bear witness to, to hold space for, to allow ourselves to feel, especially those of us that are empathic, and we all have empathy. For some, it's it's louder and high, more heightened, and for others, it's a little more muted or seems like it's not there. We all have the ability to be empathic. And in allowing ourselves to bear witness to and allowing ourselves to be present with, to really sit through the discomfort of seeing, witnessing, being with the horrors that are happening, the reality of the world outside of our bubbles and our social media content and our TV shows and our movie and movies and our sports, we're going to feel that. It's going to hit our nervous system. It's going to trigger old traumas for us, old griefs. It's going to bring things up that need to be processed or have been processed a hundred times but need to be processed again. Like we're all human beings. So there is a balance of self-care doing the things that regulate our nervous system, processing the things that come up as they come up, because all of that continues to build our capacity. But we don't run away. We can't run away if we want to see true change and transformation in ourselves, in our lives, in our communities, in our world. We have to be with it. We have to be here for it. And I think about the recent pandemic and And in 2020, when everybody was forced to stay home for almost everybody for a minimum of two weeks, and that was a time to be still, a time where we were, we couldn't go anywhere. There was nothing to do. We could distract ourselves with social media and shows and books and whatever else. But the trend of starting to bake bread from scratch just took over. And I remember seeing a meme that made me laugh so hard with its accuracy that said, Everybody was forced to stay home and face themselves. And we said, nope, absolutely not. I will learn to bake bread from scratch. We aren't willing to be here for the things we need to be here for. And we think that we are self-caring and protecting our peace and our energy so that we can do the things that we're here to do and, and live the life that we're here to live. But we are limiting ourselves because we are cutting off experiences and emotions that are vital for us to really step into our truest purpose 
And I have a whole lot to say about what purpose really means on a deeper level. It is about contribution and community. It is about giving back to the world, holding up your corner of the web of life, of of our world, of other people, of everything that makes earth what it is. And we have been looking at purpose through such a narrow lens, myself included. And because of that, we will use purpose. We will use our desires, the life that we want to live, the things that we're going after, the ways that we want to feel as a reason and an excuse to not engage with what's hard and what hurts in our life, in our communities, in the world. And bypassing that reduces our capacity and ability to have the life that we want. We don't see it that way because it doesn't feel that way because we're going with what's comfortable. We're going with, I want to feel these ways. I value peace and joy and pleasure and self-care and watching the horrors of the world is not that. So I am going to hope and pray and send love and light to those people who are suffering and I'm going to do what's best for me. And my invitation with this episode is to embrace the feelings of hopelessness and despair as well as the things that provoke that in us, that draw that out of us. And the reason for that is, just like any emotion, any emotion that we feel fully, that we process through us in real time, as in real time as possible, that we allow to overwhelm, overtake, wash over, consume us, envelop us, especially the contractive emotions, they will always, without fail, open into expansion. Now, there may be layers of them, and there are absolutely ways that we can get stuck in them. And that does not mean that the emotions are bad and they consume us and they're the problem. It means that we get stuck in them. We get stuck in our stories and interpretations about them. And we're not able to move them through us because we're not feeling them. And we start to tell stories. If I feel hopeless and despair, that's because I'm a worthless piece of crap and this world is pointless and I don't know why I bother doing anything and I just want to be dead. We loop. We tell stories that make us feel worse and we get stuck in it. We swim in it. We sink into it in a way that is not productive. And that is not what I mean when I say being with and allowing it to envelop and consume you. It is about dropping into it as deeply as you can, as wholeheartedly, whole mind, body, being, soul as you can, and feeling the raw energy of the emotion. Because where most people stop with what's hard and what hurts, especially the stuff that feel bigger than we can do anything about, we hit hopelessness and despair and we back off. Because that scares the crap out of us, that things might be meaningless, that things might be hopeless at times, that things might really just suck and be awful, and there might be nothing that we can do about it but grieve and rage and cry and fight and rally. So we back off, and we're terrified of hopelessness. We'll reactivate our winning strategies, we'll go into all of our bypass mechanisms, and we'll do everything to reestablish some state of okayness. We will distract ourselves and call it self-care. We will numb out and call it self-care. Protecting our peace. When we can be with, when we can bear witness to all that's hard and horrible and awful and heartbreaking, when we can allow ourselves to 
feel the grief, the rage, the terror, the fury, the devastation, the hopelessness and despair that inevitably come when you keep bearing witness to what's hard and horrible in life, your life, or the world. You will hit hopelessness and despair. And this is such a catalyzing moment for us that we spend far too many days, weeks, months, years backing away from because it is deeply uncomfortable. Because as humans, we need life to make sense. We need there to be a purpose of things. We need there to be meaning. All of this has to be happening for some reason. So help us insert whoever your God is here. And we will often use religion and spirituality to bypass. Those things on their own are not inherently bad or wrong, but we will use them as a means to bypass. I will leave it in God's hands. I will pray. I will send light and love, and then I will go back to all the things that make me feel good because that's all I can do, and that's not true. But we hit hopelessness and despair, and those two things can spiral and unravel us so quickly as human beings. Because hopelessness and despair forces us to realize how screwed up things are, how bad things are, how challenging things really are. It forces us to step outside of the little bubble that we've cultivated for ourselves so that we can feel safe, secure, and successful, so that we can feel comfortable, so we can feel all the expansive emotions that we want to feel. It forces us out of that. It forces us to face reality, real things that are happening all around us. Real things that we are in many ways, oftentimes contributing to indirectly, that our ignorance to, our inability to look at, perpetuates these things. We have to look at them. We have to see them for what they are. We have to hit that hopelessness that maybe this isn't a time to be optimistic Or maybe alongside my optimism, because that's how I am as a person, I need to feel hopeless for a bit. I need to feel despair. I need to not hope, simply hope for positive outcomes. But I need to look at what's wrong, what's what's keeping those positive outcomes from happening. And what can I actually do to help? Because holy crap, when I let myself feel this, I can feel how much I give a crap about what I'm looking at. And that's terrifying. That feels like a burden to us because it's heavy. It's weighty. It's it's so overwhelming to all parts of us because our lives, our societies, our systems have allowed us to structure our way of being and our way of seeing and engaging with life in such a narrow bubble, a comfortable bubble, as comfortable as we can make it. Even if we're in challenging circumstances, we still find ways to live inside a comfortable bubble. And systems, Systems are designed to keep people from seeing certain things, things that they don't want us to see. Capitalistic system is a great example of that. We are all working so freaking hard just to survive that we don't feel like we have the time, space, capacity, energy to look at anything else going on. It's it's a perpetual cycle. But back to the point of this episode. When you can allow yourself to feel the hopelessness and despair, fully, not shying away from it, not bypassing it, not going into toxic positivity or an optimistic state of mind or putting the power to create change somewhere else with someone or many someone else's. When you feel that fully, the raw emotion of it, not your stories and interpretations, not what you make it mean about you, other people, the world, life, it will move 
through you and it will give way to something else. And oftentimes there are layers to those emotions. So in the episode about working with our emotions and the void, we'll link to that in the show notes, I break down the process of that, something that you can do regularly to strengthen your emotional capacity, especially with contractive emotions, so that you can experience more of the expansive emotions. There are layers. When we allow ourselves to feel hopelessness fully, we might drop through to despair. And when we allow ourselves to feel despair fully, we might drop through to grief. And when we allow ourselves to feel grief fully, we might drop through to rage, fury. We might drop through from there to fear, terror. We might drop through from there to love, peace, calm centeredness, our source state. And that is where we can be the most effective for ourselves and other people. When we can move through the emotions that we fight so hard not to feel, especially hopelessness and despair because they are so scary to us. What if everything is actually a mess? What if I've been being lied to and I don't know what's true? What if all of how I spend my time and energy is actually meaningless because I haven't been looking at the greater good, the greater community, the planet? That's terrifying to us. That provokes what Stephen Cope calls the disorienting dilemma. It brings us to spiritual crisis. And this terrifies us because our sense of self and the world and how things work gets shattered. And this space where we are shattered, our worldview, our sense of self, our reality, what we assign meaning to and don't gets reorganized. And this is such a beautiful space where we can start to see things for what they are and we can start to feel our truth, our deepest truth, our soul level truth, which is connected to everything else. Because soul level is energy level, it's frequency level, it's vibrational level, and all of that interacts with everything else around us. What is happening over there affects us, is affected by us in some way. We start to see that we're part of the world, the whole world, all the people, all the animals, all the plant life, all the oceans and rivers. But we can't get to that space if we stop when we start to feel hopeless, when we start to feel overwhelmed, when we have no ability or capacity to feel grief, anger, rage, fury, devastation, despair. We cannot get to our source frequency if we are unwilling to drop through the contractive emotions. Will you be able to do it without having to feel contractive emotions? Yes, the more that you do this work because you're processing in real time. So it happens very quickly. I drop into love very quickly, regardless of what I'm feeling because I drop through the layers and I do it so frequently and consistently. And from that space, my source frequency, my soul level purpose frequency is always love. For some, it's joy. For some, it's peace. Mine is always love. From that frequency, I can heal and clear anything in my way. I can gather insights and information about how to move. I can connect with my intuition. I can connect with my sense of source and spirituality and God. I can recharge and refill with source energy, soul energy, true purpose energy true connected to everyone and everything energy. And I can move from there. So 
just like the heart is a muscle. And the more that we're willing to feel and love and grieve and feel and love and grieve, the stronger our capacity for it becomes. Does that mean it hurts less? No. But we strengthen that muscle. We strengthen that ability and capacity to feel love, to feel grief, to feel hurt, to feel sad, to feel happy, to feel everything. Just like the heart muscle, our soul, our being builds capacity. The more that we're willing to go into hopelessness and despair and beyond it, beneath it, through it, through all of the contractive emotions that are underneath it until we get to that source state, that true, pure, energetic frequency. From there, we can mine around. We do this in process work. We mine around for what we need to know, what we need to release, what we need to heal. We get guidance. We get wisdom. We connect to that greater part of ourselves that is connected to source and the world and all people and all purpose. And from there, we can move in an effective way. We grow our capacity. This allows us to create amazing transformation, lasting transformation, not just incremental change. Incremental change might be tiptoeing over towards what scares us and makes us uncomfortable and maybe throwing some money or share or saying a thing and running back away to where we're comfortable versus bearing witness to, being present with, being devastated by whatever it is that's going on. We need to allow ourselves to be devastated by what's happening in the world. Heartbroken, grief sick, all of it. We take care of ourselves and our nervous systems. Doesn't do us any good to break ourselves down so far that we're not of any use to anyone, including ourselves. We have to nourish ourselves, our souls, our bodies, our minds. And we have to stay present to what's going on. We have to be with the contractive states. We have to allow the hopelessness and despair to hit because I swear to goodness that is an initiation like no other. Hopelessness and despair activate us in a way that nothing else does. It allows us to drop in deeper in a way that nothing else does. And we need to allow ourselves to move through that and beyond it, to connect to that deeper sense of self, of connectivity, of source, to move from that place, to learn from that wisdom that we always have access to, but we can't tap into because we're not willing to feel scared, hopeless, devastated. And instead, we're going to stay with hope. We're going to stay optimistic and hope that somehow a positive outcome will occur. But we're not going to look at it. We're just going to hope. You have to look at it, bear witness to it, feel it, all of it. Anytime that you feel hopelessness and despair, please see that as an opportunity to dig deeper. Don't do it alone if it's too overwhelming for you. And it is for most people, especially if you deal with depression. Get support therapy, process work, whatever it might be. Nourish your nervous system, your body, your mind, your soul. Take care of yourself, but don't use self-care as an excuse to bypass. Can you be with that hopelessness? Can you learn to be with that despair without the stories and the meaning that you make it to where you spiral and you get sucked into it like quicksand and you can't get out? Can you be with the energy of it and move through it consciously, purposefully, productively? That's the invitation. Don't look away. We are working on a very specific offering that I am very, very excited and overdue to create and share that will be a tool and a resource for this, a way to look at the things that scare you most, a way to look at the things that break your heart the most, 
because in that you will deepen into your purpose and you will connect with yourself in such a way and your your power through your emotions, through learning to be with them and to transmute them in such a way that you can be effective. And that's what hopelessness and despair is. We feel like we're so small, we can't do anything. It's out of our hands. Oh my God, nothing matters. Everything's horrible and stupid. If we can move through that, then we can access everything that we need to see where we're called to make a difference, what we really care about, where our purpose and callings are leading us. So stay tuned for that. Hop on the email list if you're not on it already. You can head over to stephaniezamora.com slash podcast and grab some of our free guides. And if I can support you with any of this, check the link below for ways to work with me. And I will catch you soon in another episode. 